Hi, this is Jeff Steele. Today we are reading Matthew 13, verses 44 through 58. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net that was thrown into the water and caught fish of every kind. When the net was full, they dragged it up onto the shore, sat down, and sorted the good fish into crates, but threw the bad ones away. That is the way it will be at the end of the world. The angels will come and separate the wicked people from the righteous, throwing the wicked into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you understand all these things? Yes, they said, we do. Then he added, Every teacher of religious law who becomes a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like a homeowner who brings from his storeroom new gems of truth as well as old. When Jesus had finished telling these stories and illustrations, he left that part of the country. He returned to Nazareth, his hometown. When he taught there in the synagogue, everyone was amazed and said, Where does he get this wisdom and the power to do miracles? Then they scoffed, He's just the carpenter's son. And we know Mary, his mother, and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. All his sisters live right here among us. Where did he learn all these things? And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, A prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his own family. And so he did only a few miracles there because of their unbelief. Okay, so much there. So many things that we could talk about. Um, But I want to focus in on the first part of that text. All this kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like a pearl. Uh, The kingdom of heaven um, is valuable. It's worth any cost. Um, Like a treasure hidden in a field that a man would go and sell everything that he owns. He would sell everything. There is nothing that he would hold back if it would come between him and the kingdom of heaven. That's how much the kingdom of heaven is worth. And when we talk about the kingdom of heaven... um, we're, we're talking about this, like this reign of Jesus, right? Like this, this kingdom uh, with Jesus at the, at the head of it. And um, I've heard it described that the kingdom of heaven is the church, that, that when, when Jesus was talking about the kingdom of heaven, he was ushering in the church age. And um, there is a sense in which that is true. And there's a sense in which it's not quite fully true. Um, sometimes in the Bible, we have this idea uh, that that theologians will call already, but not yet. They'll say, like, there is this truth, there's this reality that Jesus has ushered the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is among you. The kingdom of heaven is here, but also it's not quite what it will be. Yes, Jesus reigns. Jesus is king. We honor Jesus as king. We organize our lives around him. We usher in his kingdom. Yes, Already, that is true. But also there's this not yet reality that will be true when the new heaven and new earth and Jesus makes everything right and everything is the way that it is actually supposed to be. Then we'll see the fullness of the kingdom of heaven. And and so whenever we talk about the kingdom of heaven and I get to thinking about um, you know, the people who follow Jesus and I think about the church and and I think 
Okay, the kingdom of heaven is valuable. It is the most valuable thing in the world. It's worth selling everything. It's worth being part of. It's it's worth you know. It's it's this treasure hidden in the field. It's this pearl, um, you know, of of just incredible value. And I think about my life and my experience with church. And I think I don't I don't know if my experience fully matches up with that, you know. Like growing up, I I grew up in a church going home. We were there all the time. Um, we were super involved and uh, church was really central, but it was still like this thing that we went to and it did relate to the rest of my life. Um, I always kind of felt like I was under this, um, I don't know, I don't want to call it a burden, but kind of a burden, uh, you know, to be this person that I was supposed to be that I learned about at church. Um, but when I think about like joy, like joyful expression, um, you know, in this parable, I think, I don't, I don't know that I ever really had that at church. And I was never like, Whoa, man, Sunday is here. I get to go to church. That's amazing. I don't, I don't think I really felt that. Um, as I got older, church continued to be really important and really central in my life. But then I also started to see some of the things I didn't see when I was a kid. I started to see some of the cracks, uh, some of the divisions between churches. I learned about some of the history of those divisions, you know, um, like what's the difference between Baptist and Reformed and Wesleyan or whatever? Uh, you know, what, why, why do we have these different and distinct uh, traditions and faith communities? Um, and I started to see also not just the divisions between churches, but divisions within churches, you know? Um, I started to see, uh, people who, you know, would kind of grasp for power or, or people who would act like one thing, but then they would look like another or people who severed relationships and ostracized each other over issues of preference and appearance. And sometimes I just, I see organizations, um, that are so intent on keeping things comfortable that they actually go out of their way to avoid anything messy or the least bit painful. And as if the mission of the church is to build a building where we can just comfort ourselves so that we can sit and we can be comfortable with the knowledge that we're right. And the rest of the world just has it all wrong. And we can just be safe and secure uh, within our walls and know that we are the blessed ones. Now, I don't want to suggest or I don't want to make it sound like churches are bad because that's definitely not what I believe at all. I'm just talking about like being able to see some of the flaws in church communities that I've been a part of over time. If you have been a part of a church for any length of time, you probably have seen some of those things as well. I know lots of churches that are doing really great things. I know big churches and small churches that I could point to who are really, I mean, they are calling their communities to live uh, their lives uh, in light of the gospel, to live in service to each other, to honor God um, with their lives uh, in big and small ways. And that is happening in churches that you have never heard of and churches that you have heard of around the world. Um, but we also hear the negative stories, don't we? There's this um, really uh, popular podcast actually here recently that that did a lengthy series on the decline of a huge mega church and a, and a big time um, celebrity pastor, um, and uh, I listened to that series, and it reports in great detail 
on the many, many, many failings and many warning signs along the way of where things went wrong. And it, and it really outlines how the trajectory of this church changed over time and tells the stories of so many people who were hurt by it. And listening to that series just, oh, it hurts. It's just painful. Um, as somebody who has really dedicated uh, their life to serving the church, it's really painful to listen to the accounts of where it went so, so badly. But then at the same time, I've Throughout the story, I keep hearing and they keep sharing all these other stories about the good that was still done, about lives that were still changed and places where the that particular church really reached a lot of people. And, and it's so hard to hold those things together. Like, and it doesn't excuse the abuses of power or, or the pain that, that uh, you know, that the leadership caused, but it does make me wonder, how is it possible that, that a church community can be both? Like, how can it reach lost people? Uh, and how can it help people find God and at the same time tear other people apart and really disillusion and hurt them? It just seems like it should be all one or the other. And then Jesus told this other story here in Matthew 13 about a net full of fish. Some of them are good, some of them are bad, and only the fishermen sort them out, which is which, because they all get caught up in the same net together. And, and when we listen to that story, I always think, yeah, the good fish are the church people and the bad ones are the world. Uh, you know, God is going to sort us all out. That's kind of what I always believed about the story. And, and, but reading it today and listening to it, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, is that, is that what I'm supposed to get from that? Because what if the net was actually full of church people? Like, what if we were all caught up together because we're all honoring Jesus with our mouths and we're all singing the same songs. We're all going to the same church services, but experience has taught me that none of us are really a hundred percent, you know, good. None of us are a hundred percent bad. We're all flawed. We're human. We make mistakes and, and we actually hurt each other in the process. Now, some people have a longer track record of hurting people than others, but we all do it. Um, from time to time. And I just wonder if when God established the church on earth, if he knew that it would be like a net full of both good and bad fish, that some would sing his praise and live it out in their lives, and some would worship his name in, uh, in name only, and then live their lives for anything other than worship. Can you tell the difference? Who is who? Because I, I can't always. When a celebrity pastor or Christian leader is caught up in a scandal of some kind, the people around them usually say, man, I had no idea. Like I, I, I believed his words. I just didn't know his life looked in like anything else when we weren't looking. We're always surprised. And, and, you know, maybe we shouldn't be. We're all human after all. And that's frustrating to see the church, to see churches and church leaders do things that cause harm and cause pain um, and things that don't truthfully reflect the character of Jesus. And I often wonder, like, why would, <laughs> why would Jesus entrust his church to us? Like, how is this a good plan, Jesus? We're never going to get it all right. And I think despite that, knowing that, the kingdom is worth it. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. Being part of the kingdom of heaven, being part of a community of people that has rearranged its priorities around Jesus' mission to the world, that is worth any cost. It's even worth the risk of doing it badly. 
It's worth messing up along the way. It's worth the sacrifice of this perfect, pristine image that we cultivate and getting involved. It's worth getting involved in the messiness of our imperfection and divisiveness. That doesn't justify our bad behavior, far from it. But what it does suggest to me is this. If you're part of a church community that is not perfect, I'm not talking about abusive. I'm talking about not quite up to the standards of what you think a church ought to be. Well, I, th- I think that's kind of how it's going to be in this life. It's already, but not yet. But the kingdom of heaven is still worth it. Jesus is still worth serving, even if our community does it imperfectly. And I think, you know, may we strive to be faithful followers of Jesus. May we rearrange our lives around his priorities and to look more and more like him. But may we also have the grace to do this following in community with others who, like us, do not get it right all the time. May we together look more like the community of Jesus every day. Let's pray. God, um, thank you for your grace, because I know I need it. Because I know I fail. My priorities are messed up. Um, my actions don't reflect my words. And, uh, and I get it wrong. And... Um, God, I don't want to hurt anybody, and I know that's that's the result of, of my actions sometimes. And, and, and yet, God, you're not done with me. You're not done um, with us as your church. You're not done with your community. And, and God, may we see uh, knowing you and loving you for, for uh, the, the worth that it is, for the value that's worth any cost. God, may we see you and may we follow you that way in your name. Amen.